from WCHL Studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show, starring Chris and C.L. Brown. Tonight's guest, NBC Sports College basketball reporter Rob Douster. Also featuring the return of the Brown Out and lots of NFL playoff talk. Who's that out there trying to pretend like you ain't got no time to tune in? Child, please, it's on demand. Sibling Rivalry Sports. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, tune in, Chapel. World.com, a do 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 do, a Google Podcasts, a do 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 do, a Google Podcasts, Sibling Rival on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. Welcome to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. I'm CL Brown, and that voice you heard with the Mike Epps impression is my brother Chris. We're excited to drop the show we have tonight lined up and also excited that you can now download the show on all of those platforms Chris mentioned in that intro. Are you yes. out of breath, man? You think? <laughs> When's the last time you did beatbox for that long? <laughs> uh, well, well, to you know, try to carry the beatbox and the words, that's a little, that's a little tough. But You're no Dougie Fresh. No, I'm not Dougie Fresh, but I can hold my own, boy. <laughs> I can hold my own to beatboxing. Well, CL. Well, we got this week NFL playoffs. Yes, some surprises with NFL playoffs. But I mean, let's just, we actually have a, a topic. That's what you're getting at. Let's just go into the big playback. Lend us your consonant, folks. The L, we know that EPMD is saying big. Payback, but uh, this is the big playback in today's topic. The NFL playoff structure doesn't need to be revisited. CL man, listen, of oh, course, oh it needs to be retooled, revisited, reworked. <laughs> you want to re it? Is that a yes? It needs to be done. <laughs> There's no reason why the San Diego, I mean, the Los Angeles we all, Do Chargers. we not all do that? Raise your hand out there. Everybody does that. There's still the San Diego Superchargers Super to me. Diego, go, In our go. hearts. You know, they, they had the echo there, too. It's go, go. <laughs> There's no way they should have been playing on the road at New England. There's no way that New England deserved to have it by for that for for that week where the Chargers had to play in a wild card round because the Chargers had the second best record in the AFC. They are the team that deserve to buy. The current system basically rewards teams that are that just play in a bad division. Now don't don't let let's not get into when the last time the AFC East has been strong. <laughs> I think Marina is under center. <laughs> Joe Namath, like oh, Marina. Okay, come yeah, on, it's yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a joke for a while. I, I don't think, and this is not an anti New England rant. This is just me right. picking yes, that yes. particular. Uh, they're they're the ones who benefited this year, but uh, that that happened to Pittsburgh uh, a couple of years ago, where they had to play. I think that was the year they played and lost at Denver. Uh, had to play on the road when they had the second best record in the league. The NBA gets it right. 
The NFL does not. Oh, my. The NBA. All you got to do is have a jersey, and you're in the playoffs in the NBA. And not, it might not even be an NBA jersey. That might be, you know, the, 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 uh, the ABA or something. Listen, listen to me. I think that the NFL gets it right on a lot of counts. Number one, they protect the rivalries. They give meaning to the rivalries in divisions. That's why divisional play is paramount when they're coming to when it comes to how you're going to get seated. If you do well in your division, if you win your division, that is going to help you win a higher seat. But CL, it's only six games. It's only six games in the division. I don't care. <laughs> like, uh, that could be six wins in a division yeah. if you're playing in a weak division. Right, Like, yeah. even if you're playing your rivals in a weak division. That, right. that's that's That doesn't mean anything to me. I would rather—it it would make sense if all divisions were created equal, if all divisions had an equal balance between these are the good teams, these are the bad teams. If you knew going in every year there were going to be two contenders and two kind of trail-off teams, maybe something like that or whatever— where everybody would be kind of the same, then then you could say, hey, your twelve and four is exactly like this team's twelve and four. So wait, like are you saying even. rearrange the divisions every year? I'm not saying rearrange the divisions. I'm saying reward the teams with the best records, period, overall. Not worry about who's playing in what division. That's what I mean by the NBA gets it right. The 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 team that ends up being the eighth seed or seventh seed in the in the NBA. They don't get home court advantage. They have to go on the road. They could have won their division, but they are they are deemed not worthy of being uh, getting any kind of advantage because they didn't have a better record. I mean, we can go back to 2010 Seattle if you want to. You know, the seven and nine Seahawks win the NFC West, mm -hmm. and they got to host. They played host yeah. to a playoff game. Yeah. A seven and nine team I playing know. host that was to a, a playoff sorry game. Sorry year for the NFC West, but they won. They won because they were at home. You wait, know wait. the home field advantage in Seattle. I do. I know it well. I know so it well. come it's on now. They, they didn't deserve to have that advantage as a seven and nine football team. Well, in the NFL, as a division winner, they they deserve to have it. But okay, what about this? I have an idea. What about this? For the first two rounds only, wild card round, divisional round, the, the allow the better record to host the playoff game. But your buys, teams that get buys, must be division winners. What if they tweaked it that way? What do you think? You know what? Then what you're saying is, hey, I agree with CL. The NFL playoff seating needs to be retooled. That's the, <laughs> my whole premise. That is my whole premise. Okay, and that would be more. <laughs> that would be more of a fair take. But I still think having that week off is huge, man. That's huge sure. for injuries. That's huge for preparation. You yeah. think giving Bill Belichick an extra week as he had to dissect? The Chargers, yeah. come on now. That's why they looked the way they looked when they played. Okay, but, you know, the, now the San Diego point, the, <laughs> the Los Angeles Chargers. Give them their franchise back. <laughs> Just give it back. The, the L.A. Chargers point. All right, so, so if they had swept, I know it's rough, but if they had swept KC, they have home field advantage. I mean, that's, that's still – then Kansas City would have deserved to be <laughs> not having to, to play in a wild card game and being uh, playing host to uh, having a bye and playing host the next weekend. It doesn't it doesn't matter which whatever team, you know, I'm just saying the team with the better records deserve the benefits, not you know teams that just happen to win a division. You know what, Seal, this, this actually brings up a point that I, I need to research, and that is the history of the wild card. 
because I think what they are basing it on is division winning always having been the way that they're measuring who's going to the playoffs. What is the history of the wild card? I don't think the wild card has existed for the for the duration. I think the wild card came into being. I need I need to look that up. That's what I need to do. Well, I mean, and it was only four teams for a while that made the playoffs. So that wild card team probably. Uh, I'm going out on a limb here without doing the research, as you said, but I would imagine that wild card team never had a better record than the uh, all you know the other two teams that won divisions, and 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 the wild card team, you know, I, I just I don't know, I don't know. We we would have to kind of dive deep into that research, but um, but as it stands now, I'm not worried about the history. I'm just worried about giving teams unfair advantages now. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It hurts when you're wh- whatever your record was in 2010. That's that's. What, but wait a minute, did that Stiller team not go to the Super Bowl? Or was that the year before? No, that that Stiller team went to the Super Bowl. 20. What are we talking about? That you went to the Super no, Bowl? No, no, no. I'm not that. No, no, no. That wasn't the team that had to play on the road. No, I'm not talking about. Oh, okay. No, okay. no, 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 no. Okay. No. All right. I thought you were just talking about did the Steelers still make the Super Bowl? So I should be happy just because my team is winning. That's what I thought you were saying. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, the team that was on the road. Well, you know, I don't know. I think teams have an ample opportunity during the season to do it right. Ample opportunity to win games. Every game counts. All right, well, let me ask you this. What what are you going to do to preserve the division rivalries in in a new mix? The preservation of division rivalries is letting them play. You're not changing the division up. They still get to play their two games and have at it, whatever. (laughs) But that doesn't matter. In the general scheme of things, if you win all these division games but you're still not, you don't have a better record than another team, then you don't deserve to be ahead of them in anything. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see if the NFL takes you up on your offer, CL, uh, or, or your ideas and everything. Either way, though, I know that I'll, I'll enjoy it. I think I'll enjoy it. I like what they have set up far better than anybody else. I like having to actually play games that mean something. Hello? But does it mean something? I don't know. I don't know. Ask, ask, ask San Diego Chargers. Ask them. San Diego. Ask Seattle in 2010. <laughs> Seven and nine. Yeah. All right. Well, what we got coming next, CL? We got uh, another great show. Thankful to have it. Who who we got creeping in here, CL? Rob Doster, my man from College Basketball Talk at NBCSports.com. A great writer on top of all things college basketball. We got a lot to, uh, to dice it up with. All right, so we're going to do that as soon as we come back. Keep it locked on WCHL 97.9 The Hill. To sibling rivalry sports on 97.9 The Hill. Joining us now is Rob Doster, his staff writer for NBCSports.com. Welcome to the show, Rob. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Good, good, good. Welcome, well, welcome aboard. Welcome in. It's a great day with college hoops heating up. Um, I want us to start off uh, with with the ACC. I mean, we saw Wake beat North Carolina State. 
their first first win against a ranked opponent in a while. We saw Georgia Tech beat Syracuse, who then goes out and wins at Duke. Mm-hmm. We saw Carolina blow out Pittsburgh, who turned around and beat Louisville, who then came back to Chapel Hill and blew out Carolina. So what what in the world do you make of the <laughs> ACC right now, Rob? <laughs> that it's Virginia's league to win again? I think that's kind of uh, where I am at with it at this point. You know, I, after watching uh, Virginia and, and kind of what they did to Virginia Tech last night, you know, what they did to Florida State a couple weeks back, it's kind of hard to ignore just how good uh, that team is. And, you know, frankly, I think that they've set themselves apart, especially with uh, Trey Jones out with this shoulder injury. Yeah. I hope he's not out for too long because that kind of changes them. But once you get past those two teams, I think you're looking at what, like seven, eight, nine teams that are kind of all in that same range that we can talk about as like maybe being good enough to be top five and, you know, maybe being good enough or not being good enough to finish uh, 500 in the conference, depending on how things play out. So I am not going to be surprised to see many more nights where we just find ourselves scratching our heads trying to figure out what is going on in that conference. Yeah. Since you mentioned Virginia, let's let's start with uh, with UVA. Um Tony Bennett is somebody who does it without grabbing the the one and dones of the world um and and just has that system in place kind of running I won't say on cruise control but he's got it at a at a point now where they just seem to plug in and and go um but what what do you feel like is different about this Virginia team I know they're going to especially when March comes around they're going to get a lot of flack and and have to relive their loss to UMBC in the first round of the tournament last year what do you feel like is different about the team this year that you know, says they can make that that run to Minneapolis for the Final Four? Well, I think there's two things about them that that really stand out to me. The first is how well they're shooting the ball from the perimeter. You know, it's not just Kyle Guy. It's uh, Ty Jerome is, uh, what is he, 41% from beyond the arc. DeAndre Hunter is 44% from beyond the arc. You know, Braxton Keyes stepped in and then turned into a 34% uh, three-point shooter. So they have all these guys on the perimeter that can kind of space the floor a little bit more than they have in the past. And, you know, if you look at the team last year, the team that actually played against UNBC, they basically had two guys on the court at the same time that were nothing but screeners in, in Jay Huff and Isaiah Wilkins. You know, those guys were um, – I'm sorry, Jack Salt and Isaiah Wilkins. Those guys are good at what they do and are good at kind of playing that role, but they don't really have any threat on the offensive end of the floor. And this year, no matter who you put out there – you're going to have four guys that are going to be a threat offensively, especially when you go to those lineups where um, it's Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, and Braxton Key. Any one of those four guys can give you 20 on any given night. And I think that's not only showing up in in how much and how well they're shooting from beyond the arc, which is at a level that we have never seen with a Tony Bennett coach team, but it's also showing up in in what they're doing offensively. You know, this is still not a team that is playing fast at all, but they put up 100 points on Marshall. You know, they put up 83 points on Boston College. They put up 81 points last night on a good Virginia Tech team that went into uh, John Paul Jones Arena last season and actually beat Virginia on that court when they were the number one team in the country. So uh, I think that it's a combination of um, having more talent and having more shooters and just the fact that you're looking at these guys and, and they just fit better with modern what modern basketball is, right? They, they could go with lineups where DeAndre Hunter is going to end up being a three in the NBA. He's going to end up playing the wing in the NBA. And you have him playing the four at Virginia, which is kind of what all teams have been doing at this point, right? Like, you, yeah. you kind of made it popular with, with Jason Tatum at the four, Brandon Ingram at the four, Justice Winslow at the four. And, and 
you're now seeing Virginia play those lineups that can match up with those teams. So not only are they better offensively, not only do they have pros on the floor, but they're playing a lineup that just makes sense in the way that basketball and the direction that basketball is heading. So while they're still playing at that slow pace, I think this is a much more dangerous offensive team than they've been in the past. Yeah, so just to be clear, you're taking the Wahoos in Cameron on Saturday <laughs> to pull off the, well, without, I can't even say upset, to pull off the win? Without Trey Jones, I think I'm going to take them to win that basketball game. And, and that's because of the respect that I have for what Trey Jones uh, means yeah, for that basketball no doubt. And it's not offensively, man. Like, look, the, the secret that no one really wants to talk about with Duke, even with Trey Jones, is they're not really all that great in the half court. Where they do all their damage is in transition. And and losing Trey Jones and what he can do um, defensively, first of all, it means that R.J. Barrett has to play on the ball as a point guard, right? And and that's not ideal for what you want for him because he's not wired as a point guard. He's wired as a scorer. He's wired as an attacker. He's wired as somebody that you want to give the ball to and say, okay, go make a play, not someone that you want like initiating offense and trying to set up guys and, and get them in position where they can score. That's just not what he's best at. Uh, Trey Jones can do that. So offensively, you take a little bit of a hit because you're moving R.J. Barrett into a position that is not optimal for him. But uh, defensively is where it changes for me. And it's not just, you know, everybody's going to see Trey Jones pick somebody's pocket and go in for a layup. And he does that, what, like once, twice, three times a game? Yeah. And that hurts. You lose those buckets and you lose those stops. But it's not just those. It's the pressure that he puts on a point guard where they don't get the ball over half court until there's 22 seconds left in the shot clock. It is making that point guard play with his back to the basket as he's trying to set up an offense 40 feet from the rim. It's making them get into their offense when there's like, what, 12, 14 seconds left in the shot clock. It's about making everything get pushed farther out. It's about how that makes your half-court offense get less efficient shots. And when you get less efficient shots, you're going to miss more shots. And when you miss more shots, that's when you get Zion Williamson grabbing rebounds and going coast-to-coast or R.J. Barrett grabbing rebounds and going coast-to-coast. So not only does it affect those pick six turnovers, but it makes them that much uh, worse on the defensive end. And when they're worse defensively, then you lose those opportunities for transition so that Duke doesn't have to play in the half court. So uh, he's like, what, the fourth best freshman on that team, Trey Jones is? But I think that he's the guy that you can least afford to lose because he just kind of it, it brings everything together for the way that that Duke basketball team works. And now I trust that, that Coach K is going to be able to figure something out, and, and I would not be surprised to see uh, Cam Reddish handling a, little bit, handling a little bit more of the point guard duties. But without Trey Jones there, like I just don't know if we've seen what this Duke team can be. Yeah, I've, I've been saying it all along. I felt like Trey Jones is the one guy that they can't replace. I mean, you, you can they can find a way to get more scoring. They can find a way to get rebounding if somebody else went out. But they, as you described, <laughs> they can't exactly find somebody to do what he does. The glue that holds it all together. All right, Rob, let's let's just take a break from all this very legitimate, very <laughs> informed CBB talk. And uh, perhaps a little-known fact is that your your Twitter, at Rob Douster, D-A-U-S-T-E-R, is very entertaining, man. If anybody just takes a look at it, uh, it, it cracked me up a couple times. I did want to ask you a couple quick questions coming off of that. First of all, you describe yourself as a re- an award-losing Writer, and so I was just wondering, well, like, what what awards have you lost? Like the Academy Award for Sports Writer Singing. What what kind of awards have you lost? 
Well, to this point, I've lost every single one of them because I've never won an award. So, <laughs> until, until I win an award, then I'm officially going to be an award-losing writer. And you know what? I'm kind of proud of it, man. We're out here. We're doing our thing. We don't need awards. We don't need people to tell us uh, all these committees to decide uh, who the best is. Like, I know in my heart that I'm the best award-winning losing writer that's out there. So so you win an award, you're going to turn it down? You're going to return it? What? I might, man, depending on who, unless it's from you guys. You guys <laughs> oh, nice. I like that. All right. And the other thing that, you know, we're, we're coming out of Chapel Hill. And so your tweet about the alley-oop to Seventh Woods or that Seventh Woods through, uh, you said that that, that wasn't there. There are no Monstars playing. And so, you know, that alley-oop was way off, which I thought was hilarious. Question, though, which Monstar would have caught that? Would it have been Newt? That was Muggsy Bogues, or Bupkus, that was Larry Johnson, or Pound, that was Barkley. Which one of these cats? Bang, Patrick Ewing. Which one did you have in mind? Wasn't there, was there a seventh, uh, or was there a Sean Bradley? Blanco, yes. Yeah, it's got to be him. He's got to be the one that, that probably would have caught that. But you know who else could have caught that? The mixtape version of Seventh Woods. Remember the mixtape he had oh, in yeah. 2011? I think that Seventh Woods might have been able to throw it and go and catch it himself. That That's the Seventh Woods <laughs> that caught up uh, and made the block shot <laughs> from behind against Notre Dame last year. Yeah. Well, um, it, you mentioned Virginia's win over Virginia Tech earlier, too. I, I wanted to talk about Virginia Tech because they're a team that won a lot of games. Their only loss coming into Virginia uh, in Charlottesville, their only loss before that was Penn State uh, back in, in November. And so I was still like the jury is out on them because I wasn't sure that they had really been challenged by their schedule so far. What What is your take? And they, and they had marched up to a top 10 team. So what, what is your takeaway from Virginia Tech? Are, are they – are they closer to that end of top 10 elite level or and just got, you know, dismantled as a lot of teams will going into Virginia to play in Charlottesville? Or are they, you know, maybe a tad bit, uh, they got inflated by by the way that the schedule played out? You know, I think it's, I think it's both. Can I say that? I, I really <laughs> do think it is both where they, they're a good basketball team. They're probably in that, like, 15 to 20 range nationally. Like, one of these teams is going to end up being a four seed somewhere. Um, I think they got a little bit inflated because they won a bunch of games in a row against teams that maybe uh, weren't all that great or aren't as good as we thought they were going to end up being. Uh, but I'm definitely buying them as a really, really good team, uh, mostly because, one, they can really, really shoot the ball. Uh, they play this, this like, four-guard lineup that I, I just – I tend to like those teams that play fast, that spread the floor, and that shoot a lot of threes. And I love the backcourt of Justin Robinson and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I don't know if there's a more improved player in the country uh, than Alexander-Walker is. He's a guy I think he's going to end up being a lottery pick um, come June's draft just because of the way like he's got positional size, he's got length, he's able to operate in ball screens, he's shooting it for like 43% um, from the, beyond the arc. So you put him and Justin Robinson in the backcourt – put a couple shooters on the wing and have Terry Blackshear kind of handle in the middle. And that's a really good basketball team. Now, uh, do I think they're going to win the ACC? No. Do I think they're going to end up winning the ACC tournament? Probably not. Do I think that they are um, good enough to win 12 or 13 games in this conference and, and you know, maybe make it to a Sweet 16 and uh, the bracket makes, uh, breaks the right way for them, get to a Final Four? Uh, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility, but – um, I'm not betting on them to be a top 10 team or a, a top two seed in the NCAA tournament, but they're a good basketball team that's going to win plenty of games. And, and 
the thing that I love about them is they're a lot of fun to watch. So you, you, you take good basketball teams that are fun to watch, and, you know, I'm buying them. Yeah. Now, um, sticking closer to home here, we, we've watched Carolina kind of, you know, they had had big wins against Gonzaga, went on the road to win at NC State, uh, then the rivalry game. But they've had big letdowns right after those games. Uh, I, I felt like they didn't play with a lot of urgency when they lost to Kentucky um, in Chicago and then in December. And then we saw them lose at home against Louisville where they basically just didn't react after getting punched in the mouth. Where, what do you think the ceiling is for this North Carolina team? That's a tough question because I think to access their ceiling, they're going to have to play a different way than what Roy Williams typically wants to play. And I think that my biggest issue with them is that they haven't figured out a way to kind of tap into what Nasir Little does best. You know, he is the guy that is kind of built in that, um, that like small ball four, big, big wing kind of role that you see in the NBA now where it's somebody that you want to uh, be able to attack closeout, someone that is switchable defensively, um, somebody that can just kind of wreak havoc on that end of the floor. And he doesn't really have a role in the system that Roy Williams wants to play, right? Like, in an ideal world, Roy Williams' team is that 2017 team where you got two bigs like Isaiah Hicks and, and Kennedy Meeks, and your wings are um, Justin Jackson and Theo Pinson, and you got a point guard on the floor, and you have guys up there, your, your wings make the threes and, and make the plays. You have um, Joel Berry running the point, and you have two big guys that are going to go attack the class on every single possession. The problem is with this team, your bigs aren't quite good enough to do that, right? Your point guard is a guy that's already a little bit streaky, and he's a freshman, so he's going to have wild swings up and down uh, in the games that he's going to play. And, and, you know, Luke May is at his best as kind of like a pick-and-pop guy. Cam Johnson is, is kind of at his best as like a pick-and-pop uh, combo forward. And Nazir Little kind of fits into that same conversation as well, whereas if you're going to play one of your big five, uh, one of your big fives out there, whether it's Garrison Brooks or Sterling Manley or whoever – you're going to have Cam Johnson and Luke May on the floor over Nazir Little. You can't play Nazir Little at the two because he can't shoot it well enough. So where does he fit into what Roy Williams typically wants to do? So I think you have to find a way to, in my opinion, get your best five on the floor, and that's Kobe White, Kenny Williams, Cam Johnson, Nazir Little, and Luke May. And they did it a little bit last night, and I think that's when they made their run against Notre Dame. So if they want to be the best that they can be this season, I think North Carolina has to play that five more. And they have to embrace this idea of, of kind of going full small ball. I just don't know if that's necessarily something Roy Williams wants to do. And, like, look, he's a Hall of Famer with three national championships and, and wildly successful in his career uh, and way more successful than an award-losing writer. Is. <laughs> so I don't really know if I'm, I'm, I, I can be here, like, second-guessing him. But I do think there's some room to kind of be a little bit critical of the way that he's dealt with this team. Let me phrase it this way. I don't think that this is his best coaching season of his career. Interesting. Rob, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Vassar basketball. Is that your alma mater? Yeah, we got a big win last night, man. Went into a rivalry game. Skidmore, they were in first place in the league. They beat us by 40 up at their place. Played them last night. Took them down at home. Uh, got to shout out Alex Seth, 18 points last night. Good player. Nice. So when you say nobody comes in our gym and gets a W, <laughs> were you being? I mean, t- tell me more about that. <laughs> uh, Walker Fieldhouse, man. It, uh, it ends up being 
So we only get, like, when I was there, at least, we would only get, like, maybe 200 students um, there for a game. Oh, wow. But the way that it's just kind of built, it would it would get pretty loud. Like, it's Division three school, and then um, it's Division three basketball. You don't expect more than that. But it, it gets kind of loud, and, and you know, we, uh, we always made sure we were always friends with all the other athletic teams. So if the soccer guys came to our game, we would go to the soccer games and, and – you know, if the baseball team came to our games, we would go to the baseball games. So we made sure that uh, that, that all the athletes would show up to each other's games. So it at least looked like there was like 100 people. <laughs> nice. Smart way to do it. Well, there you have it, folks. You can follow him on Twitter, at Rob Doster, D-A-U-S-T-E-R. Uh, follow his work at NBCSports.com. We enjoyed having you on. We're going to have to have you back when we get closer to to uh, when the games heat up in March. It's a, look, it's an honor to finally be <laughs> on the show. So whenever you guys need it, just let me know. All right. Appreciate, appreciate you, Rob. You, Rob. We'll, we'll see you again, definitely. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. We're chilling on podcast platforms, a ton of them, as we've said before. Very excited about this. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and of course, our home, Chapelboro.com, CL. We're doing it big, and we're, we're trying to just get out there. With this knowledge, like like this, like this kind of knowledge, CL, that you're gonna drop. You are you covered the Duke Syracuse game, uh, where the upset happened, and uh, I just wanted to get your what, what kind of comments, what kind of thoughts did you have, reflections about that one? Well, I mean, obviously the thing to take into account was Duke was down two starters, <laughs> you know, and and even without Cam Reddish. When they started the game with Trey Jones, they jumped all over Syracuse. I mean, mm-hmm. Beheim called a timeout within the first, it feels like, 90 seconds of that game because they was just like it was snowballing real fast on mm-hmm. those guys. So Trey Jones is, is uh, I mean, as we stated in the segment before, his injury is going to be huge. Uh, his absence is going to be huge for Duke, trying to compensate for that, uh, his ball pressure, his playmaking ability. Um, but the flip side is Syracuse was a team before the season started that I felt like would be a top five ACC team and, and would be a top a top 20 team nationally. And so the oh. fact that they stumbled um, through the non-conference play, they lost to, to Buffalo was a, you know, a legitimate loss, um, even though some people might not really know about Buffalo, but Buffalo was a legitimate loss. And they also lost to Old Dominion, I believe. So for them to get this win in Cameron, and, and I saw the stat that ESPN put out that Duke was 104-0 and zero at home as a number one team against every team not named North Carolina. Wow, one hundred and four and zero, and for Syracuse wow. to break through that, I, I think that could be a watershed win for them. More importantly, I wrote yeah. about on the in the Athletic that Frank Howard for Syracuse point guard, he was coming off a knee injury, missed the first four games to start the season. He had a breakout game against Duke. There was a stretch where he scored like. I forgot what it was, maybe 12 of their points, 12 out of 13 or something like that in the second half. 
and and he took control. He was assertive. He was back kind of making plays instinctually. And so that could be big for Syracuse moving forward, which it, it just kind of goes back into what we were talking about, the ACC. It's, this is going to be a crazy year. I mean, we, we're seeing Florida State, a top-10 team. Uh, they've lost back-to-back games, losing to, to Duke certainly on the last second, Cam Reddish three, but then having to go – two days later up to Pittsburgh and that was they were probably emotionally drained from the That's Duke right. loss and didn't That's really right. give their their full effort but now they're staring at one and three in the ACC so crazy times man it but is. good times yeah you sure never know who's gonna win that's right that's right that's what the yeah. ACC is all about bunch of good teams fighting it out CL uh, and by the way you can catch folks you can catch CL's article uh, talking about Frank Howard on theathletic.com CL uh, let's switch gears here to NFL playoffs specifically the AFC and NFC championship game I always say that this is the best Sunday of football in the year, in the season, we got New England at Kansas City. What, what, what kind of thoughts do you have about that game? Well, um, I'm hoping for the Chiefs to win just for some new blood. That man. is rare. Just for some CL's new blood. CL's actually saying that he's hoping for a certain team. That's rare. You know, I mean, just, you know, I'm for I'm for Patrick Mahomes. And, he's a great kid. What a and, great kid And for Eric Bieniemy. Yes. I mean, and yeah. you were a big yeah. Eric Bieniemy fan was, when he I played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. so as an offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, I'd, I'd like to see them get it done. It will be interesting because you brought up earlier about, about Brady's post-game I don't know if it was a rant or what, but, you know, <laughs> it's it's the great players always find something to kind of needle them, oh, yeah, a, that's a right. slight or yeah. what have you. Mm-hmm. And uh, was it a tweet or Instagram no, no, it was, it was, was it? Interview, it was an interview. It was a post-game interview on the air, and he said, yeah, we, you know, he basically said everybody thinks we stink. That's basically what he said. And he's <laughs> like, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see. And you could tell that Patriot chip – on the shoulder is alive and well. That is just amazing. They do that every year. They find something. Well, I mean, Jordan did the thing. Like, like there's a certain level. Maybe we need to start doing that. <laughs> Maybe we can, get the, we, gonna, we can get the show up. You know what I'm saying? We can have a chip on the shoulder against. What? These are the podcasts. They don't respect they don't like us. rivalry. They, yeah, they don't, yeah they, don't, they don't. They don't think we're anything. But we're going to see. We're gonna see. Wait till you see the ratings next week. Uh, hey, it works for MJ. It works for Brady. <laughs> hey, no, no, works for Kobe. CL, you just said it though. The phrase "it works for Brady." CL, I, yeah, I think it's gonna work again on Sunday. I really do. Everybody's talking about their road record. You know, all oh, their road record and championship get folks. He he went up against Peyton Manning. You uh, for the majority of those losses. They they are going to be very prepared. They're going to be very prepared, and nobody's playing awesome defense. But the Patriots are they their coach is a defensive guru, and they've been in the situation. I just think it's going to be very hard for KC in their first look at this in a long time, a championship game at home to overcome. Well, I mean, there is something to be said about their their road record because all five of their losses this year were on the road: Jacksonville, uh, Detroit, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, and and uh, it was fluky against Miami, but yes. it's still a loss. Oh, sure, it's still sure. a loss. Yeah. And and three of those games, I believe, they only scored ten points. Mm-hmm. Or or no, that was just that was just Detroit and Pittsburgh. They only scored ten points. So. Um, so, you know, but it, as you said, this game is about going to be about offenses, not about defenses. Hmm. Maybe, maybe if a defense can 
uh, luck up and get a turnover or something, maybe mm-hmm. that that will sway the game. But what about in the NFC where mm-hmm. we have the Saints and Rams uh, facing off in the comfy com- Ah, the confines, the mm-hmm. comfy confines of the Superdome. Yeah, so, you know, I just think Drew Brees is on a mission, said at the beginning of the season that I believed that the Saints would make the Super Bowl, and I'm sticking with that. You know, just one one thought, though, that L.A. Rams-Dallas playoff game, that was that not a throwback? That, to me, felt like just a throwback, you know, to the 80s, the early 80s, just that whole <laughs> environment, just seeing that. But, uh, you know, the Rams have done well, the, you know, the majority of the year. They really kind of slipped up at the end of the year, but they're back. And so they'll have a, they'll have a shot at it. I just don't see how anybody would stop Drew Brees, Drew Brees and Thomas and the boys down there in New Orleans. Well, um, if the Rams are able to run the ball the way they did against the Cowboys, then then maybe because mm-hmm. they'll keep keep Drew Brees on the sideline True. and he <laughs> won't True. be able to do much. But yeah. uh, and and also I feel like that Saints that Saints secondary might be susceptible mm-hmm. too. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be two great games on Sunday, as you said. That um, tends to be a good day. I've always felt like that was. It was almost kind of a depressing day because most right. most Sundays in the right. fall and everything you have so many games to yeah. look forward to and then it's like man there's just there's just one game after this yeah. you know <laughs> but that was back when I liked the NFL I don't like that. <laughs> nice way to get that in there okay all right well let's uh, speaking of jabs that we're gonna get in we're gonna have a chance to really spar and jab when we come back for the brownout so keep it right here on 97.9 the hills. Sibling Rivalry Sports. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. CL, it is time. One of the best times of the show. It's time for The Brownout. The Brownout. Here we go, the brownout, hot sports topics that we're going to give our quick takes on. Topic number one. Clemson's football team got a meal of McDonald's, Wendy's, the finest food the White House could supply during their visit. Did the Tigers get a raw deal? Holy cow. I, I would be so disappointed if I get to the White House, which growing up and, you know, a lot of people never get the opportunity to step foot inside the White House and you get there and you're getting what you could get on the street where, <laughs> wherever you live. That's so disappointing. I believe I, I, I heard somebody say, that they don't it's not like they're serving on paper plates in the white house like they got their real <laughs> silverware and and plates and hardware and then that's what you're putting on top of it it's disappointing but i will say i went with the louisville basketball team in 2013 when they won the national championship and uh, went to visit and i don't believe they got served food at all but that was an afternoon visit that was in and out this seemed to be a nighttime visit cl how do you not tell your brother that how am I learning that on air that you went to the White House to visit the president with the, the championship team? I had no idea. I had no clue. I you you were know. in the White House? Yeah, I was in the White House. Oh, my House. goodness, man. Okay. All right. I got a picture at the podium and uh, Are everything you kidding? in the yeah. White House see, first room. See, folks, this is this right here. <laughs> this is the failure of sibling rivalry. This is the downside of it. Sibling robbery. All right, all right. Mick, Mick, uh, Mick Whitehouse. Uh, you know, my only thing is, 
Yes, it's a bunch of McDonald's and Wendy's. It's $3,000 worth, I think the Washington Post came up with. But... You're getting handed. You get it. The president of the, you know, the, the the president of the country, you know, the most powerful guy in the free world is handing you that. So I, I just say, hey, that's uh, I don't know. It's it's not an experience you can get down the street, you know, uh, in D.C. at that one of those local McDonald's. Hard pass. Question two. <laughs> Deion Sanders said Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray should choose baseball over entering the NFL draft. Do you agree with primetime? Deion Sanders surprised me Prime with this. Time. Prime time. Prime. You got to say it a couple times. Here. I started to. Man. Yeah. No, you're good. Uh, you know, he uh, that surprised me. He has he has two shows on NFL Network. They're, they're actually both pretty entertaining, if you ask me. But for him to just say, don't look back, pick up the bat and don't look back. I wonder what he meant. Do I agree? Uh, no, I don't agree. I think that uh, Kyler clearly has a love for football. I am really interested to see where he goes and and how he does, because that boy can throw. My thing is, if someone told young Deion Sanders coming out of Florida State the same advice, would he have really heeded? Nah, he would have been like, I I love both sports. I want to try and see what I can do with both of these. Mm -hmm. And I think Kyler Murray should do the same thing. Next North Carolina's football schedule was released this week, including non-conference versus South Carolina and Charlotte, Mercer, and Appalachian State. Can Mac Brown get the heels back to a bowl in year one? Mac Brown in year one. Mac is With back. this schedule, I think Carolina can get back to a bowl game <gasps> in, in year one. But coronary. I think if Larry Fedora wouldn't have been fired, they would have gotten back to a bowl. <laughs> Double coronary. So. That's my two cents. But I also think if Satterfield stayed at App State, that would be upset alert for the Upset. All right. Well, so, yeah, I definitely not only think that they can get back to a bowl game, but I think I'm going to say it, man. We're going to quote this if it happens. Carolina will be 4-0 when they host Clemson on September 28th. They will be 4-0 going into that game. That that means that's that's four legit wins right there. South Carolina, Miami, at Wake Forest, legit win. Appalachian State, legit win. They're going to be 4-0. We'll see. What's next? Former Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts announced he was transferring to Oklahoma for his graduate year. What's the likelihood he will end up facing his old team in the playoffs? I'm not sure who Oklahoma has coming back in terms of, you know, their their entire roster, who all will declare for the league and all that kind of stuff early. But I think it's very little chance he'll end up getting Oklahoma back to the playoffs if that defense stays the same, man. <laughs> wow, that defense was horrible. Yeah, you know, they're taking steps to shore up that defense. In fact, CL, I, I really love his chances. CL, wouldn't you like to see it, though? Oh, like, that, that as a writer, heck yeah. I'd yeah. love to cover that. That's that's built-in storylines. I think he is just invested in his future because he's going to learn aspects of the game that he wasn't necessarily learning at Bama. He's going to learn and boom. Shots fired at Saban, perhaps? Mm, not really. Saban knows. He's like, hey, I'm defense all the way. That's, that's my Saban. <laughs> 
Hey, I worked on my uh, my other. You Dabo. said I was terrible at Dabo. I got. You want to hear my new Dabo here? No. Oh man. <laughs> Save the people's uh, ears. No, I'm gonna take us out. Okay, I'm not gonna do it because I got to do it as myself. We're out of time here. Another great show. Thank you all for tuning in. Please hit up the podcast locales that we talked about and and carry us with you. I'm Chris Brown. I'm CL Brown. And this is Sibling, Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry Sports, Sports on 97.9 WCHL The Hill.